Last week, I gave a headline summary of what we see, or certainly what I see as a church, the dream, if you like. What, what I, for one, would love to see around here. And I suspect that I'm not alone in that. Are we seeing it all yet? No. Has COVID been a right royal pain in the neck? Absolutely. Does that stop us dreaming? No. Oh, no. And I suppose the pressing question is, how do we get there? And we're going to start to flesh that out a little bit today. So uh, we have a banner there on the uh, left-hand side or right-hand side, depending on which side you're looking, uh, which is our statement of vision. The church that we see is, and then there are six headings on our website, you'll see those explained in a little bit more detail, but they're all, all six things are things that we believe could and should be in our church. Now, initially I thought we'd, we'd do three this week and maybe three the next, but I got so excited during the week, we're actually going to do the first one only. I know that'll come as a great shot. The church we see is alive. Amen. Amen. The subtext is vibrant and welcoming and joyful and fun, that our services are bright and positive and celebratory, or celebratory, however you pronounce that. Now, I don't wish to be rude, but there's an enormous difference between dead and alive. I suspect you can all probably recognize dead no one wants dead, a dull or dreary or dopey or dismal or drab or dry or any other D you can think of. I say this, let's not be dead. Let's not be dead anywhere, anytime or in any way. Because of course the flip to that is alive is attractive and alive is compelling and alive is irresistible. You can see it on people's faces. You can hear it in the bars, in the air. You can see it in your kids. You can recognize it, I hope, in the praise and worship. One of the clues is that no one wants to leave at the end. But I'd say this, if we're Christians, if we know Jesus, if we are walking with him and loving him and serving him, then we should jolly well be alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Made alive. Similarly, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Now, the, the Greek word there, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce, uh, which is in translated certainly in Ephesians 2, made alive. It means to produce life. It means to cause to live. It means made alive. It means to give life. It means to arouse and invigorate by spiritual power. It means to restore to life. It means endued with new and greater powers of life. 
famous verse, of course, is John 10, verse 10, which says, a thief, boo, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The Amplifier says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. The message says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. There's a pretty strong and simple message. If God is in it, it will be alive. So my plan this morning is I've got four thoughts about churches that are alive. Then after that, I've got three answers to the question, what can we do to make our church more alive? And then finally, we'll wrap up with the challenge and response as usual. That's the plan. So buckle up. Here we go. Four quick thoughts about churches that are alive. Number one, alive churches have a vision of life. Number one. Number two, alive churches contain alive people such as your good selves. Number three, alive churches do alive things. And then finally, number four, alive churches pluck out dead things. There's nothing startlingly revelationary in that list, but I'm going to go through them anyway, flesh them out. Number one, alive churches have a vision of life. If you cannot see it, you won't pursue it. If you can't see it in your dreams, you won't get it in your reality. Famous verse, Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Without that vision, without, without a dream, without a goal, people perish. They grow stale. Something dies on the inside. They lose any sense of direction or Dave's word, expectation of growth or change. And what results is lifeless and fruitless and thankless. The contrast is people can tell when they're in a place that has vision, that has a plan, that is on a journey, that carries that sense of expectation and excitement. You know, the songs chosen will show it, and even more so the way they're sung. The message preached, here we are, will proclaim it, and you'll leave uplifted. Activity will be purposeful, it'll be cooperative, it'll be enjoyable, and the people and the atmosphere and the conversation will be positive and hopeful. You may even see people smiling in church. Imagine that. That all starts with naming it. Another famous verse, Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. Praise the Lord. Plain on tablets. That's good, I like that one. That just came to me. Excellent. I got a vision of Moses and other tablets. But anyway, 
I'll start again. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. Not what he had in mind, but it works. So he who runs may run who reads it. So the vision should be number one, written down. Number two, made clear so everyone gets it. Here am I being clear so everyone gets it. And should make you want to run after it. First, we have to see it. And we'll start to pursue it. First, we have to see it in our dreams. And then we can start to work out how to get there. Number one. Number two, alive churches contain alive people. You know, this works both ways. Number one, churches come alive because of the lively influence of alive people. But also, people come alive when they attend a church that is alive, spiritually alive. I reckon that an alive church should be full of people who are so sick and tired of being sick and tired, who are so fed up of being dead and dry that they are hungrily and determinedly pursuing the opposite, which is life, which is wholeness and fullness and freedom. Now, I was remembering back to my O-level biology days, and I know that ages me a bit, you youngsters, O-levels is what we had before they invented GCSEs. I thought it would be fun. Show of hands. Put your hands up if you were O-level. Oh, interesting. Put your hands up if you were a GCSE. Okay. Put your hands up if you just lied in church. <laughs> <laughs> the O-levels have it. Okay. In, in biological processes, we learnt... That, there are, that, that living organisms have seven characteristics. And I reckon that's also true for spiritual organisms such as ourselves. So really quickly, those seven processes. Number one is, is respiring. We would call it breathing. You know, and if we want to be alive, we need to fill our spiritual lungs with the breath of God. Number two, living organisms are moving. They're not stationary or static or still or stuck, but they're on the move. Number three, living organisms are growing. They're maturing and changing. They're becoming stronger and they're digging deeper and they're reaching further. Number four, living things are reproducing. In our case, gospel spreading, people multiplying, values catching, and seed sowing. Number five, alive things, alive people are sensing. They feel, they, they respond, and they react. In our case, to need, and to compassion, and to injustice. Number six, we have to do this one. Number six, uh, living organisms are excreting. But that means waste things are cast off. That's bad attitudes or, or immaturity or carnality. Anything that is dead is cast aside because it just does not produce life. The body just does not need that. It is a waste product. And then number seven, finally, alive things are feeding, nutrition. In our case, voraciously consuming the bread of life, 
that feeds our soul and that fuels our walk and builds our faith. Number two, alive churches contain alive people. Number three, alive churches do alive things. Whereas dead churches do dead things. In fact, they keep doing them even though they're dead and everyone knows it. The flip is there are life-producing things that alive people and alive churches do. Galatians 6, verse 8. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. In other words, there are life-giving things we can do that generate a harvest of effervescent and reproducing life. Here's the point. You can do the same activities, and for one person, they're dead, but for another, they're alive. So, for example, the, the dead version is religious. It's, it's ritualistic. It's, it's repetitive. Whereas the alive version is relational, and it's real, and it's refreshing. Dead is, is trying to desperately resuscitate old things. Alive is instead giving birth to new things. Dead is, is ticking a box. Alive is jumping out of the box. Dead is just singing a song. Alive is using that song to seek Jesus' face. Is it about a, a hummable tune that I like? Or is it about words that will lead me to fall on my knees before the master? And here's the good news. Because praise is a sacrifice, whenever you praise God, dead things die. And praise is life-giving because it connects you with the source of life. E on my list, dead is, is hearing a message preached, but not a call given. Dead is when it's, it's just interesting information or instruction, not that those things are bad. Alive is when it is inspiration and transformation. Is listening to the sermon the price you pay for your end-of-service coffee? Or are you listening on bended knee with attentive ears because you know you need to be set on fire? Hebrews 4, verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. John 6, 63, The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Jesus said, The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. God's word, folks, is alive. It's life 
giving. It's life transforming. It's death destroying. The old question, are, are you reading the Bible or is the Bible reading you? As you listen, is it, is it, is it hardening your heart around, I told you so? Or is it softening your heart around, Lord, make it so? The point is, one is dead, the other is alive. Number four, alive churches pluck out dead things. First, I guess you do need to know the difference between the two, and I suspect we all do in a heart of hearts. But dead is, is where worship becomes rote, and attendance becomes ritual, and obedience becomes compliance. Devotions become box ticking. Prayer becomes faithless. Fellowship becomes exclusive. Decisions become self-serving. and The Bible becomes boring. If we want to be alive, we have to resist deadness. We have to confront it. We have to preach into it. We have to set up structures against it. And if we can see a dead weight, we need to cut it off. And if it's no longer bearing fruit, we need to let it go. Here's the Spirit's warning. Revelation 3 to the church at Sardis. Verse 1, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believe that first. Hold to it firmly. Repent. Turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. We need to move intentionally towards whatever brings life and away from anything that squeezes it out of you. That might mean that, that relationships need to be cut off. It might mean that, that your sources of input need to change. It might be that there are new priorities that you need to embrace. It, that there may be new habits that you need to form. Okay, quick summary, pull, pull all that together. What, what can we do to, to make church more alive? Number one, we can consistently do alive things. Number two, we can intentionally stop doing dead things. Number three, we can become alive people as individuals. Number four, we can make sure that our activities and our services and our programs are feeding just that. Okay, so look, to close this, here are three specific and proactive things that we can do right now to kickstart this life. Three things. Number one is open your heart as wide as possible. I apologize. This point is in every sermon I ever preach. Why? Because you need to open your heart as wide as possible if you're going to get what God has for you. And part of the, the spiritual battle that we're all engaged in 
is the enemy trying to get you to close and to harden your heart. He's provoking you to, to build walls and to hide behind masks, to make you retreat and withdraw, to, to, to self-preserve and to isolate. Why? So you become an observer at best. Never jump into the river of life. And of course, the flip to that is that Jesus came to set you free. He came to tear down the walls. He came to open hearts wide so they become supple and pliable and fillable. In essence, we need to to respond to Jesus' invitation to embrace the fullness of resurrection life. I want to explain quickly something quite significant. A physical action can either mask or expedite a spiritual desire. And often, actually, there's a physical action that catalyzes a spiritual desire. Explain what I mean. If you want to drink, everything within you may be longing to drink, but there's a physical action that comes first. You need to go to the well. You know, if you want to praise, first you have to start singing that song. I mean, really singing that song. If you want to pray, it's one thing to have the spiritual desire to pray that there's got to be some physical activity to catalyze that. You've got to go into your prayer closet and close the door. If you want to go deeper in worship, maybe you actually have to physically fall on your knees to catalyze that. There's a little saying that, that God dropped into my spirit about 20 years ago, something like this, that too much church takes place in the pews and not enough at the altar. Now, in our church, we don't have pews, nor do we have an altar. But I think you probably know what I mean. And a physical action symbolizes and catalyzes spiritual desire then raising your hands high is a sign to you and to God and to the enemy, frankly, that, that, you've, that you've taken down the wall and that you've opened your heart wide. Now, walking to the front and getting on your knees it is a physical expression of a spiritual longing for the more of the Lord. You know, from that action, from that process, you move then from flesh to spirit. You move from dead to alive. You move from self-focused to Holy Spirit-focused. You move from the best you can do to all that he can do. Because the point is, once, once flesh has been bypassed, Spirit can be activated. And that's where the life is to be found. And that's that line about too much church in the pew and not, not, not enough in the altar comes in because it's quite easy to sit in that familiar spot 
kind of tucked in and safe and content and, you know, just kind of held back a bit, sitting in the pew. Maybe God wants you to burst out of that. Like maybe God wants you to physically or metaphorically go to the altar to do business with him, to show that you mean business, to, 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 to have that physical action that then catalyzes that spiritual longing that is inside of you. John 6, 63, we've already read it. The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. I love the King James, it says, it is the spirit that quickeneth. I love that word. That the flesh profiteth nothing. And if we want church that is alive, we need the quickening of the Holy Spirit. So number one, what can we do to, to make our church alive? It's, it's an individual thing, it's a corporate thing. Open our hearts as wide as possible. Number two is we need to submit to the pruning process. You're all familiar with the pruning process? And it's this, that dead wood needs to be removed and thrown onto the fire. And if there are parts of your spiritual life, our spiritual life that are dead or dying, we need to toss them into the fire of the Holy Spirit and let them burn. And then, of course, the good news is that out of the ashes will come new buds, will come new shoots and new life. In time, we'll get new branches and new leaves and new flowers and new fruit. The reality is that, is that the old and dead needs to be stripped away to make room for the new and alive. Otherwise, you know how it works. The dead suffocate out the potential for new life. Flesh gets in the way and stops the spirit from quickening. That is why this pruning process is so important for us individually and collectively. Now, here's the question, a little personal. Is any part of your spiritual life dead or dying? any part of your spiritual life holding back the potential for new life? If there is, perhaps it's time to toss it on the fire. And then number three, the last one here is, is ask the question, how, how can we be a church more alive? Ask the question, how can I be a spark? How can I be a spark? Remember, my brother asked this question, who'll be a spark? And a hand went up, and then another hand went up, another hand went up. All of a sudden, you've got 20 hands up. I'll be a spark. Now, it may not be a roaring fire just yet, but what would happen if we all contributed our little spark? The idea of a, of a catalyst, isn't it, in a chemical reaction that there's a substance sometimes that's needed to, to initiate or, or to accelerate a chemical reaction that, that won't happen on its own. So the question for us is, what fuel do I need to throw on the fire if I want to see it burn hotter and higher and brighter? If you wish that the worship around here was more passionate, why don't you be that spark? Why don't you cry out 
Why don't you walk to the front and fall on your knees? You may not be on the worship team or the AV team, but that doesn't mean to say that you cannot be a catalyst to help take our worship deeper. If you want more fire in the preacher's belly, amen. I'm sure you're all praying for that right now. If you want more fire in the preacher's belly, what can you do to stir that fire? You know, the noisy people in church who are adding that there are men are not doing it to draw attention to themselves. They're doing it to help draw from the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As demonstrated. So the question is, how can you be that spark? You've all seen that video, the, the power of the first responder. How can you be a life giver? How can it be a fire stoker or a cheer leader or an anointing drawer? Okay, final thought, pull all this together. You know, we want people who come to the barn to say, there's a life about this place. There's something in the air. There's something that you guys have. I can't put my finger on it, but you can't miss it, and I want it. I want you to be able to say, I can confidently bring my unchurched friends and family here because it's alive and it's fun, because it's real and authentic, and because I know that they'll meet Jesus here. And I want our kids to say, I don't know what you're doing this morning, mum and dad. I'm going to the barn because it's the best hour of my week. Amen. So how do we respond to that? Just two questions. Question number one, is there any part of your spiritual life that, if you're honest, is maybe a little bit dead, a little bit dry, it's a little bit stale? And if there is, I'd ask a second question. What is the Lord showing you that can introduce you to a fresh source of life. Question number one, is there any part of your spiritual life that's a little dead right now? Take that to the Lord. And then question number two is, is what can you do to be a spark? What can you, what can you bring to help make the spiritual temperature hotter around here? I've given you some clues. I'll leave that with you. Okay, worship team, if you wouldn't mind coming to the front, that would be great. And um, I'm just going to pray quickly and then have a response time. Father, Father, thank you so much that Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross and that he rose from the grave so that we might be made alive we might have access to resurrection life, to fullness of life, to overflowing life. And oh Lord, we want that because we've seen the alternative. And frankly, we just do not like it. So Holy Spirit, here's the prayer. Would you come? Would you come? Would you breathe your breath of life 
into our spiritual lungs. Holy Spirit, would you make us alive, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.